And so I was working for the city and I did some teaching. I was teaching drama at a Baptist Preparatory School and started working for the city afterwards. And I was there for roughly four years, but Bearden Productions was still on my mind. And I, I knew I needed to pursue it. I needed to put it into action. It was just heavy in my heart. And so uh, after I prayed and, and, and my husband said, go ahead and do it, I just left my job. Welcome back to Sustaining Craft. I'm Elizabeth Silverstein, and I'm here with my guest today, Legenia Bearden of Bearden Production Center for the Arts. Hi, Legenia. How Hi. are you? How are you? Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. What do you do? I am the founding director for Bearden Productions Center for the Arts in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Awesome. Yeah. And is that something you've always done? What is the impact on arts on your life? How did all that start? Well, it started with me in the second grade. Uh, we had gone to see The Sounds of Music for a field trip, my, my entire second grade class. And uh, at the time, we lived in Houston, Texas. So we went to see The Sounds of Music at Jones Hall, this big, beautiful theater uh, in downtown Houston. And I was absolutely amazed by what I saw on stage. You know, it's a cast full of children, and it was just the most wonderful thing I had ever seen. And all I knew was I wanted to do the same thing. And I'd always been a singer. I was always performing in my mirror at home anyway. So this was just like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So I remember going home and uh, talking to my mom about the show and telling her I wanted to be an actor. I want to take acting classes. I want to be on stage like the kids in the show. But of course, my parents uh, at that time were not able to afford acting classes and I was crushed. And so I had to wait. I had to wait till I was in high school before I was able to you know, perform or even think about acting. And I remember at the time when my mom said that, you know, we weren't able to do that. I remember saying, well, I, when I grow up, I'm going to make sure that kids who want to act are going to be able to act. And that's just something that had always stuck with me. I, I remember saying, you know, this is really something I want to do. And so when the opportunity presented itself, I said, okay, it's time to do that. I'm going to I'm going to create this organization where classes are going to be affordable and families, they're not going to break the bank trying to get their kids to uh, do the things that they love to do. That's great. Yeah. What were some of the steps that you took to get there? Did you go to college for art? Well, I was a performer naturally. <laughs> Again, I was always singing and uh, I always loved performing. So as far as my participation in the arts, it was just something that came natural to me. It was my God-given gift. But the steps to actually get there, you know, I had to do a lot of research. I did a lot of research online, but for me personally, I was a, I was a writer too. I was always writing plays. And uh, I remember this one play in particular that I wrote called The Church. It was actually titled Church, C-H-U-C-H. Mm -hmm. And I remember, because um, whenever I would grow up, I would hear, hear my grandmother say church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's get ready for church. You know, yeah. she'd always leave out that R. Yeah. And so that just stuck with me. And so that was the title of one of my first plays, The Church, that I, that I actually wrote and produced and directed. We did it uh, back home at my church in Houston, Texas, and then I brought it here some years later. And how old were you? At that time, when I did the first show, I was 23, and that was back home in Houston, and then we moved. I moved out here, I think I was 27. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't remember how old I was okay. around that time. It was between 20, 
I was 24, 25 when I, when I moved back here to uh, Arkansas. And I remember actually producing the play here in my late 20s. So uh, I was probably about 28 or so when I actually produced the play here. And the cast members, they um, it was a large cast. It was at least about at least for 30 individuals or so. We did the show here at a local church, and then we went uh, down to Pine Bluff, the convention center down there in Pine Bluff, and produced the show. And then we took it on the road. We went to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and did the show there. And the cast members, they just started calling us, uh, hey, this is a Bearden production, you know. They kind of came up with the name, the cast members. And so it's just something we just started, we just kept, mm-hmm. you know, Bearden Productions. And so after the show, um, I said, okay, you know, I'm gonna, I want to keep doing this. And so that's how it started. The name began, um, actually my cast members came up with it, Bearden Productions. And so I had to sit down and do a lot of research on um, how to get it started. And so it was, uh, Google was my best friend at the time. <laughs> I Googled a lot. How do you start a nonprofit organization? What are the steps that I needed to take? And so I found a really good website that, you know, carried me through the steps that I needed to take. And I just followed those directions and did everything as far as getting it started and off the ground. And how long did that process take? For me, it took about six months because I I literally did it every single day. Mm -hmm. So from the moment, you mean as far as the starting the nonprofit, Mm -hmm. actually? Yeah, it took about six months after the show. It was a little bittersweet, you know, parting with the cast, but I knew I needed to carry on the legacy so uh, and start, a, start the organization. So it took about six months before I actually got my EIN, did my Articles of Incorporation, and then I had some individuals at the Arts Council help me, uh, an individual help me with the uh, my 501c3 application. And that's no joke. Yeah. <laughs> that's it was deal. difficult. I mean, we actually, yeah. we met maybe four or five times, mm-hmm. and he helped me with the whole process, told me what I needed to do. And so I did that, had to get my money together and sent everything off. And about three months later, I was approved. So it took a while. It was a couple of things that I had, had to keep sending back to them, you know, things that they needed from me. Mm-hmm. And so it took the actual, uh, from the actual time I did the application to getting approved, it was about three months. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. that was in 2006? 2006. Okay, mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. And what was... So, you know, you wanted to be on stage and you, you wanted to make this available to everyone. What are some of the benefits you found to the arts and, and allowing people access to them? Well, for myself, it helped me socially. You know, I was uh, I was an introvert, believe it or not. I love to perform, but when it came to actually meeting people and um, just being open and social, uh, I always felt very awkward. But participating in the arts, you meet so many people that are just outgoing and fun. It kind of put me in an uncomfortable position, and uh, it made me be social, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So it helped me in that aspect, but also it helped me academically because it was um, it was like I had my creative outlet. So I loved going to school because I knew I was going to get number one, I was going to go to choir, and I knew that I was going to get to participate in the shows. And uh, my first show that I did, really, I didn't audition for it. I did, but I didn't. Let me say, it, let me say it that way because I wasn't participating in drama. I was in choir. I was in the show choir. So, and that was really enough for me. And then the drama teacher, she knew that I could sing. I loved singing, and everyone in the school knew that Lajeunie uh, Beard, she's the singer. So she came to me. She was getting ready to do the Secret Garden, the musical, and she said, "I know you can sing. I want you to audition for Mary Lennox." for the secret garden. And uh, she said, I, I, 
you pretty much got the part already. I just need you to audition. And so I went and auditioned and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is great. You know, I had fun even during the audition. So I got the part. So my very first uh, theatrical role, I was the main character. And so of course I, like, I'm, I just knew I was all that. <laughs> so, um, I did it and I loved it. It was the, I was just the best feeling in the world for me. So it helped me in that I knew what I had to look forward to every day. And so I didn't mind getting up in the morning and going to school. I knew that uh, I was going to be in the show choir. I knew that I was going to get to practice for the play afterwards. And from there we went to uh, competitions and I was getting first prize, uh, best actress in all these um, thespian competitions around Texas. So it was great. It was great. It helped me academically again, because I was ready to get to school and get my grades right. My grades had to be right if I wanted to participate. So I had to have A's and B's. And so now my daughters do it, you know, I have two daughters and it has helped them. Uh, my youngest daughter, Angelina, for instance, she was very, very shy. We are very, very active in our church. And so we put her in the children's choir and she was always uh, scared to sing. She didn't want people to look at her. Mm -hmm. She was so little, one of the smallest ones there. And, you know, after church, they would, uh, different members would come up to her and say, oh, you're so cute. You're so cute up there in the choir. She couldn't stand it. I noticed she would always hide behind our pastor's chair, which was very large. So uh, when she'd be up there singing, she would hide behind the chair and no one could see her. And I asked her, why are you hiding behind the chair? No one can see you. She said, I want people looking at me. Well, so once we opened Beauty Production, she started participating in the acting classes. And now you can't sit her down. <laughs> well, let's, yeah. let's talk about that a bit because um, drama provides a structure, right? You're not it just does. standing up there and people are staring at you. you. You are interacting with others. What are some of the skills that it, it gives you in that way to kind of combat that fear of public speaking? Because I think it's the number one fear that people have. They'd rather die than speak, than in, public. speak in front of people. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's just the opposite for me. <laughs> I love talking. I can talk forever, forever. I don't know if you you can tell by now <laughs> but our our first class that we offered we actually opened the studio in 2014 that was when we opened our doors so it went from 2006 and I was kind of on this I don't know I, I just stopped doing stuff <laughs> you know once we got our 501c3 status it just wasn't moving fast enough for me when I tried to um, actually start the business so I kind of let it just sit there and nothing happened until 2014 when we opened our doors in 2014, our first class was improv, improv for kids. So improv for kids, it's all about, you know, improvisation is acting without the use of a script. So you are forced to think on the spot, be creative, come up with something. You have to keep the scene going. You have to keep the audience entertained. So you have to think on your feet. So our students are, are forced to be creative. And so it kind of teaches them to think on the spot, to think quickly, to work well with their partner or their team. So they learn a lot about team building. Um, they learn a lot about uh, quick thinking. Um, again, they're, they're forced to be creative. So it kind of puts you in a position where you have no choice, where you're just going to stand there and look silly. And that's that's their fear is looking silly in front of the other their uh, fellow class members. So it kind of it kind of forces you to do something. And so for I know for my daughter that really helped. It put her in an uncomfortable position. 
and it, it made her be creative. It made her open her mouth and say things. And now, again, she's always opening her mouth and <laughs> saying things. So. And it kind of, it's that push to, to, for people to realize and children to realize, like, it's not about you. Like, yes, people are looking at you, but when you have a team up there right. and there's things happening, mm-hmm. it's less, people aren't, people aren't analyzing us as right. much as we think right. they are. Right. Again, a lot about team building because mm-hmm. your, your team is depending on you to help make this scene. You, the scene has to flow. The scene has to make sense. You know, there, our kids have to think of a beginning, a middle, and an ending to the scene. So it's a lot going on in a small amount of time. And uh, so, uh, and the kids enjoy it. Once they are, they become really successful at it and they do it, it's um, very repetitive, the exercises. But when they become successful and they see, hey, this really works, then they want to do it again and again and again. And so it, it, it really, really helps. And push the creativity mm-hmm. that way. You mentioned being uncomfortable. So I think there's a there's kind of what I'm seeing is two different types of being uncomfortable. One is kind of a gut instinct where you're like, oh, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And one is I'd rather not push myself mm-hmm. to do something. And I think where the arts helps is that one where it's I'd rather not do this. I, it feels wrong because it's too hard. Mm-hmm. So how did you and you pushed yourself to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. How did you start to find yourself more and more comfortable? Were there steps? Were there moments where you just kind of got on stage and you're like, this feels normal, this feels right? I would say two of those things. You know, this feels normal, this feels right, because, again, I love being in front of people. I love to make people laugh. I love it when uh, I perform so well that they cry, that it, it moves them to emotion. And so that to me feels right. And then there are times when you're you're uncomfortable because it's it's out of the norm for you. It's not who you are, and that's what acting is all about. You are you are somebody that you're you're in a position where you can be someone that you're not. And that can sometimes be uncomfortable depending upon the character that you're playing. Sometimes some of the characters can be controversial. Sometimes they are just so outside of who you are that it, it, it takes a lot of work to find, okay, who is this character? How can I become this character and not Gina anymore? I have to be somebody else. And so in that aspect, it can be uncomfortable. But uh, for me, the biggest part is knowing that what I'm doing is not for me, but it's for my audience. Whatever it is that I am portraying on stage, it's for them. Whether it's, to, again, to move them to cry, to feel something, or if I'm, uh, there's a message that I need to convey through this character. If I am able to do that successfully, then I'm, I know that I've accomplished what it is that I, I'm there to accomplish. And so it's fear just moving beyond those points and making sure that my goal has been met. Mm-hmm. Is it possible, and this might be a really difficult question, to quantify the importance of feeling those emotions and to be moved by that? What, What is that importance? Why Do do you know why you want to do it? Why that strikes you? Or why, why do people keep coming back to your performances? Because it provokes change, you know, especially in the world that we're living in today um, with there being... Um, I see, I feel division in, in certain aspects has always been there, but it's 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 more prevalent today with uh, video cameras and news and just everything that's going on in society. So if I'm in a position where I am able to move people to the greater good through a performance, by the way, uh, we make them feel when they come to a class, whether it's our students taking an acting class and and they do it for the first time, they're like, oh my God, I love what I'm doing. Or if they come and they realize, no, this is not what I want to do, then we've helped them in that we have moved them out of this direction and maybe in another direction, you know. So 
either way, but if we're able to to do that and provoke change for the greater good, then yeah, we've done something great. I think we've we've we're changing lives, and that's what it's all about. That's what uh, Beard and Productions is all about: changing lives, making people feel good about whatever it is that they're doing. Of course, we're all about the arts, but in whatever it is that they're doing, if we can make them better, or if we can make them realize, ah, eh, no, I don't think I like dance. I want to do. I want to be a doctor. Then we've helped them. <laughs> we've helped them realize that. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of it's opening horizons whether you're on the stage or you're in the audience. Right. It's exactly. Storytelling using these skills. Yes. To kind of, definitely. Let's, let's let's think about this for a second. Let's mm-hmm. examine this from a different perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that is the the power of the arts. Yes, it is. It's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Well, how what type of different classes do you teach at the center? Uh, well, we offer culinary classes. We have uh, painting classes. Dance classes, various genres of dance. We do ballet, tap, jazz, hip-hop, some lyrical classes, and then, of course, our acting classes. So we have uh, four departments, the culinary department, the dance department, the art department, and acting, drama. Mm -hmm. And we're getting ready to, hopefully within the next year or so, add uh, music, string instruments. Oh, wonderful. Mm -hmm. And how many classes do you offer on a week? Oh, roughly about three classes, five days a week. So about 15 classes. And how many teachers do you have? Uh, right now we have we have 17. Uh, well, if we take out the, oh Lord, we just counted our staff. We yeah. we're, we also teach. You didn't know you did math. Yes, yeah. I didn't. Um, we also have classes on the. Uh, we also teach at some schools. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. We're we're over some fine arts department at some schools for the first time this year. So awesome. we have roughly about 15 instructors. Okay. And that's for how many? Do you know how many children? Uh, right now we have enrolled 78, 78 children. And, and you do um, adults as well. We do have adult classes. Mm-hmm. And talk to me. So I'm very interested in that you threw cooking in with. The rest of the arts, the arts. And, and there's a strong argument for it but you don't typically see in an art center that cooking is right is there I, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it before right so what was the process to make that decision why did you want to do that well for one um i i love cooking and i've always wanted us to be set apart from everyone else and what every other art center is doing and cooking it isn't art because you're creating something you know and art is all about creativity and um I almost feel like I have to prove that to people, <laughs> but it really is what it is. You know, you are creating something. And uh, the truth of the matter is when people sit down and they get ready to eat or when they're choosing something to eat, you eat with your eyes first. It's appealing first to the eye. Does it look good? And if you put a plate of food in front of me that is beautifully presented as opposed to something that's kind of sloppy, I'm more than likely, say nine times out of ten, you're gonna you're gonna choose that beautiful plate, the one that looks delicious, and that's an art. You've got to you've got to plate it correctly, and then the ingredients, everything that you put into it when you're creating a recipe. Um, we're gonna start talking to our kids about creating their own recipes next semester for the first time. So you know your palate chooses all of these different ingredients and puts it together to create something that once the flavors all marry together it has to be delicious and for you to create something that's delicious to everyone it's it's an art so um we thought why not why shouldn't culinary arts be a part of our arts organization it sets us apart and it is an art and it's just something different that most people aren't expecting 
Yeah, I, I did not. I think there's something else in there, too, that ties back to the relationship and kind of opening dialogue. There's something that happens over the dinner table when you're talking and you're sharing a plate yeah, of food definitely. as well. It's it bit, brings people together. Yeah. It's something about uh, just being in the kitchen mm-hmm. um, and creating things with your family or with friends. It brings laughter and joy and food does for us <laughs> in my family anyway we we love food and we are a family of cooks we have like, my mom is a baker i have aunts that love to bake and when all of them get in the kitchen and they're cooking oh it's it's heaven <laughs> it's heaven on earth it is it's amazing and it just it's something about uh the feeling and joy that surrounds food that just makes you happy mm-hmm. yeah so for the beard in production center mm-hmm. the the, really, the bottom line is you want it to be affordable. You want everybody to be able to take classes, mm-hmm. um, young and, and old. How right. do you, what do you, what's kind of the cost for the membership? Because I remember it was really low and, and very affordable. For right, us. right, it is. Um, yeah, that's our whole mission. Our mission is to provide arts programming at affordable rates for families. So right now our classes are $35 a month. So a family, say uh, uh, parents want to bring their two daughters in. We have this. We actually have this. We have... Uh, families that have two daughters, two young girls that both want to participate in dance. And so we offer the classes $35 a month. Well, if you come with a sibling, you get another $10 off. Very, very low, um, but we're able to offset the cost with donations that we get from individual donors and local businesses. They kind of help, not kind of, they do. They help mm-hmm. to offset the price because, of course, it costs to run an arts center. You know, we have to pay instructors and the thing about this, about Beard and Productions is I never wanted it to be uh, just some after school place where you can just bring your kids to just to do something. But we hire quality instructors, instructors that are experienced, that have been trained professionally, that are degreed. So you're going to get quality instruction. We're not just throwing somebody in there that's that likes to dance <laughs> to teach your kids. You're going to get instructors that love what they do, that have been doing it for years, and they're going to really teach your kids skill and everything that they need to go on to the next step if they want to. So with that affordability, you also get quality. And that's what we want, quality for our kids. Yeah, that's great. Do you do grant funds as well? or We do. Um, oftentimes we'll get individuals who say, I want to sponsor are you asking? Oh, wait, let me ask. Are you asking that if we get grants or if we offer grants? If you, um, oh, I guess both would be. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, both. We do. We do. We um, we apply for grants. We apply for grants through the Arkansas Arts Council every year. For the first time through the city of North Little Rock, we're hoping that you know we get funding through them. Uh, we we of course have got to have funds in order to sustain ourselves. It's very very costly, <laughs> but also even with the cost of our classes being as low as they are, we still have families that that can't afford those prices. So we have individuals in the community that say, hey, I want to sponsor a child for a year, and they'll pay for a student's tuition for a full year or maybe even a full semester so that that child is able to participate in the arts and you know find out if it's something that they want to do or not so we we receive grants and we also give grants as well great and what are some of your goals looking forward with the center what are you what are you looking to do in addition to the classes that we offer we also do theatrical plays throughout the year this year, uh, we've only done one this year, and that was uh, Alice at Wonderland. Not in, but Alice at Wonderland. It was like a modern-day Alice in Wonderland. Um, but we do theatrical performances, and to date, I think we have seven under our belt, seven since 2014 that we have that we have done. So moving forward, my goal is uh, I want us to have our own theater. 
I want us to have a, a larger facility with a state-of-the-art classroom kitchen for our students to really learn the arts. I want them to have their own little workstations and burners and that sort of thing. Um, uh, I want our dance students to have a nice state-of-the-art dance studio with the floating floor so that when they are doing their jumps and their leaps in ballet class, they, they're not hurting their or not damaging their knees and chins and that sort of thing. Um, I want our acting students to be able to have a, a, a nice theatrical classroom. And I want our painting students to be able to perform uh, or to, to paint in a nice, lovely art gallery and present their paintings in a nice gallery once they're done uh, for the semester. So, you know, my goal is to have a, a, a large state-of-the-art art center for these kids so that it's just not, a, again, not just a place to go and do something, but so that their art can be perfected, but that it can also be presented to the community and everyone can see how great they are. Yeah, those yeah. are some, some great goals. Yeah. Well, Lugenia, I know this isn't the only thing you do. You've got other stuff happening in your life. You, yeah. You're very busy. Even I think the center would probably keep you extremely busy. It but does. Mm-hmm. You have some other things. What else do you do? In addition, I also like to help other individuals to, I like to help them do what they love to do uh, as far as helping the community. So I, I often do uh, nonprofit workshops um, and other faith-based nonprofit workshops. Beard and Productions, and I always say this, uh, I really, I know my faith is what got me to this position because I'm telling you a lot of times if I hadn't, hadn't prayed and asked God to help me, I don't think I'd still be here with Beard and Productions. But um, so uh, I, I do these uh, faith-based workshops where I teach individuals, give them all the tools that they need to start their nonprofit organization. And at the same time, I give them my testimony of how I got to this this point in my life, how Beard and Productions got to this point. And I just teach them to rely on their faith in God to help carry them through those times when you want to give up, when you're tired, when you don't think you can make it, when you're like, this is it worth all of this? Um, uh, I rely on my faith to help get me over those hurdles. And it, I mean, it works every time. It's just never failed me. So I like to put on these workshops just to encourage individuals to step out in faith and to do this. And by stepping out, you know, I quit my job. I worked for the city of North Little Rock and I quit my job once I had started uh, thinking about Beard and Productions again, because remember I told you there was a time between 2006 and 2014 when we really started where I just kind of gave up. And so I was working for the city and I did some teaching. I was teaching drama at a Baptist Preparatory School and started working for the city afterwards. And I was there for right, roughly four years, but Beard and Productions was still on my mind. And I, I knew I needed to pursue it. I needed to put it into action. It was just heavy in my heart. And so uh, after I prayed and, and, and my husband said, go ahead and do it, I just left my job. And I just did it, didn't know what was gonna happen. Um, I just did it, found a, a small space in a church. We were there for about four years. And so we actually operated in this very small space, about 300 square feet for about four years until we moved into the new space just this year. So, you know, I encourage individuals to step out in their faith and believe God for whatever it is that they've been put here on this earth to do. Yeah. And I love doing that. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Well, Lugenia, I think that was all the questions that I had. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Well, just to, you know, just encourage anybody out there that's listening that is creative Creativity is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I once heard this 
this preacher, he's since passed. He said this, and I thought this was so great. It's always stuck with me. He said that the cemeteries are rich. They are so rich. And he says they're some of the richest places on earth. And he said, some people ask, well, why do you say that the cemeteries are the richest places on earth? And he said, because so many people go to the grave, their graves full. And he says, so when you get ready to leave this earth, go to your graves empty. Meaning that there are so many people that leave this earth and that have a passion to write or to paint or to draw or to dance. And there are so many books in those cemeteries that have never been read. There are so many paintings in those cemeteries that have never been seen. There's so much poetry that has never been heard. And he said, so you're going to your graves full of all of that goodness. So make it a point in your life right now to get all of that goodness, all of that creativity out of you. Let the world see those paintings. Let the world hear those songs that have never been written yet because we want to hear them. And those weren't given to you just to go to the grave and make the grave rich, but they were meant to be shared with the world. So anybody that's out there listening right now, I wanna tell you, go to your graves empty. Let all of that goodness that's inside of you, all of that creativity, let the world hear it, let, let us see it. It was meant to be shared. Don't take it with you, but share it with us. So if there's any doubt in your mind, just, just step out in faith and do what it is that God has given you to do. Let all that creativity that God gave you, let it come out because we want to see it. We want to hear it. If it's food, I definitely want to taste it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. let's break that down a little bit. Some things I've been learning, especially over the, the time I've done the podcast, is break it into steps, right? So it's not just trying to write the book all in mm -hmm. one go. You don't eat the elephant at one sitting, mm -hmm. but you can build a, a daily habit yeah. and you can write two pages a day or you right. can write a page a day. Right. What are, do you have any other advice for someone who's this idea of a painting, like making a full painting and, and letting people see it is intimidating mm -hmm. or, you know, presenting my food to be, to be criticized is intimidating mm -hmm. or getting on stage or right. whatever. What are, what are some small steps that someone can take to ease that discomfort a little bit, but still push yourself to be uncomfortable. You you literally have to set goals for yourself on a day-to-day -day basis. When I would write my plays and still in books, you know, I've written I've written a book and I'll start with that. I, I knew I, well, I had always wanted to write a book and I've started like nine books. <laughs> I've started and I would never finish them. But this last one that I that I finally finished, um, it was very very small book. I mean, I'm thinking it's like 26, 28 pages, very small, but the fact was that I finished it. I just set goals for myself. You know, I'm going to work on this every day, regardless of what I'm feeling. I'm going to, I'm going to do something to uh, move this book forward every single day until I'm done. So even those days when I would come home from the center and I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I would make myself do something with, I don't care if it was one line, I don't care if it was just uh, the dedication page, you know, I would make myself do something to move, move forward, to make there be some progression on a day-to-day -day basis. So, um, and, and even with your paintings, uh, if you have an idea, just get started. Even if it's, okay, I'm gonna go buy the canvas today, or I'm just gonna go buy the paint today. Every day, make sure you do something regardless of how big or how small, do something that will cause progression 
to the end. So that's my bit of advice. Something every day. I don't care how big or small it is. That's good advice. And your book. So what was that about? What's the name of your book? My book is, it's a devotional. It's a seven day devotional for anybody that's ready to start a business and maybe they don't know how. And again, it's a faith-based devotional, but it's just uh, some things that I did um, as I was starting Bearden Productions in 2014 when I was getting it off the ground. And again, when I started uh, Bearden Productions, I was still working at the city and it would just be on my heart every day I'd be driving and I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be going to work. I'm driving. I just, I just knew I was not supposed to be doing it. I just knew in my heart, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. So I remember that one particular day when it was just, I was crying on my way to work. I went home, I went to work, I sat down and I'm still crying. I'm working during my lunch. I said, okay, if I do this, I'm going to need a, a building. So I sat down and I went on Craigslist and uh, I found this this church that was le- leasing a space. I went during lunch to go look at it. It was $300 a month. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. It really wasn't as big as I wanted it to be. And so, but I'm thinking, okay, uh, this this could work. I went home and then the owner called and said, hey, you know, we actually have a space downstairs that's a dance studio. You may want to try looking at that. And I'm thinking, yeah. So I went <laughs> back uh, the next day and I look at it. It was a nice size, like 300 a square feet foot dance studio. I'm like, this would work. Talked to my husband about it. He said, great. So we got the space. I mean, we had to put down $300 deposit, pay $300. So paid $300 for the first month and it was ours. Mm-hmm. Just that simple, just that quick, like all within a week. I thought about it. <laughs> I moved and I did it. So I'm going to say it all that to say, after that, I went through a lot just getting it off the ground. How do I get people to you know didn't about it? Have students yet? None. But you yeah. have the space, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I didn't have this big wad of cash going mm-hmm. in. Like people say, you got to make this business plan. You have to do this. That may work for some people. For me, I didn't have to do that. Okay, I still don't have a full business plan. I mean, I have one, but it's not like anything I can go and present to a bank and say, hey, give me some money. Mm-hmm. But I went through a lot trying to get it off the ground, and I was very discouraged. So, a lot of those days you know, the things I was feeling and when I just pray and ask God to help me, what do I do next? The discouragement, learning to obey just the things that I was feeling in my heart that God was telling me to do. So I wrote this book about just some of the things that I went through just in those those first few weeks. And so I put it together in a seven day devotional to hopefully help somebody else so that they won't have to go through what I went through, but to make it easier for them just make it easier for them. So it's just something to read um, that they can read up throughout the course of the first week of them getting started that'll help them along, hopefully for the first six months of their business. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks again for joining me today. Okay. Yeah, great. Sustaining Craft would not be possible without the help of some friends. Audio editing by Joshua Kurtz, original artwork by Morgan Elaine of The Inkling Girl, and original music by Jim Chiago of Nomad Neighbors. They play every weekend in Denver or catch his music under 7 Second Chance on iTunes and Spotify. Legenia, before we sign off completely, do you have a tip for someone perhaps considering opening a nonprofit or building a habit in, in the creative field? In building a nonprofit, I would definitely say, you know, I did, I, I sought help. I went to workshops and seminars with other individuals that were offering assistance. And I would definitely say, seek help, do research, 
on your own but if you know someone in the area that's holding a workshop or holding a seminar i know um, university of arkansas at little rock they do they have a small business a department and they oftentimes will hold workshops on starting a business or a nonprofit. I, I attended a few of those. I was always reading and if it's if it's something that you really want to do you, you've got to put in the time. You've got to put in the time and you've got to put in uh, the resources and uh, so I would just encourage you to to set aside time every day to put in the time to work towards your goal. What you have the community needs, especially if it's a nonprofit and you know that it's something that was is in your heart to do that you were born to do. Your community needs it, so you've got to work towards it every single day. So uh, you know my tip is to do the research, attend as many seminars and workshops and things as you can, and uh, just do the work every day. Do something to progress you towards your goal, and you'll definitely get there.